Focus First and Ten. You are here with JP and Caleb. Hey, everybody. Hope you guys had a great week. How are you doing, JP? I'm good, man. How are you? Oh, man, I'm very happy today. It's been a good day so far, especially oh. with the guests we have out on right now. That's right. We have a special guest on for you guys, um, somebody that uh, I've admired for a long, long time, 30 years, <laughs> and uh, just a great guy all around. We got J.J. Burden on the show today. What's up, J.P. and Caleb? It's good to be on the show. Yeah, we're glad to have you, man. Um, J.J. was on my show once before. A lot was it maybe about yeah. a year ago, I guess. Maybe was a year that ago. Two years ago, it seemed like it was about a year. Yeah, maybe a year or two ago. I don't remember. Um, we, uh, I met JJ in 1991. Mm-hmm. That's how long ago it was. Um, 91 or 92. It was right after my baseball career ended, and he had some words of advice for me, and he didn't remember at the time we had talked that time, but we were in the <laughs> we were at Arrowhead and. Um, Derek introduced me to him, and he said some things to me that kind of changed my uh, mindset because I was pretty dark at the time. You know, I was in a dark place, I should say, after you know getting injured and couldn't play anymore. And mm-hmm. he uh, he made me feel a lot better, and um, just that one day, and things turned around for me pretty quick. So, but that's what he does for a living. If people want to know, I mean, I'm sure everybody does, but you know, he's um, that's his life is motivating others. So. Um, anyway, JJ, how you been? How's things going? Things are going good, man. I am, uh, staying safe and staying indoors. My family and I just, uh, adhering to all the, you know, the self-quarantine restrictions and all all that, but, um, but I'm staying busy. I work out of my house. I'm doing workouts in my garage, just trying to stay in as, as, as a normal routine as possible. That's good to hear. That's good to hear, JJ, because I know everything is probably crazy, especially where you're at right now with the virus and everything. That's good you're able to stick to routine. Yeah. And in Arizona, where I live, as you guys have probably seen, the numbers have really spiked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're one of the those top states that where it's really just surging right now. So now they're implementing strict restrictions again. So but but my family and I, we were already just staying self-quarantined and, and taking care of or following all the precautions. So we've been, so far, we've been good, safe and healthy. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, it's funny you said you've been working out at home because I know uh, you and I had had that conversation, I think, about because somebody had mentioned players that could play now um, <laughs> versus, you know, in this era of football. Mm-hmm. And I think Caleb and I had talked about this on the show. Yeah, and- we did. Yeah, and I have mentioned this to you numerous times, but I think you're probably one of the only ones. There's probably maybe four or five that could actually play in this era. But you were – I remember watching you run down the field, and you were a streak. And <laughs> I was just – it was I, if I, I wouldn't have known who you were unless I saw your number because you were so freaking fast. It was scary how fast you were. Um, but uh, I think I threw it out there. I thought you could still run a four or five. And I yeah, know you you're did. four years – you're real close to my age. Um, we're, I think, four years apart in age. And uh, I thought you could still run that four or five. I still think you could get up in there pretty close. <laughs> you look like you you look like you did when you were freaking 22. So I know what you uh, I know what you could probably do. You're being modest, but I know you could probably still get up there pretty good. <laughs> you know what's really interesting about that? It's like I've done a really good job of working out and staying in shape and all that. But I haven't like, you know, trained like I used to when you're running and sprinting and all that. And there's that one side of me that's like, what if you just train 
like for about a month, like you're like you were back in the day. I wonder yeah. what I could run in the forty. You know, <laughs> I, I think. Hey, JJ, I think you could play long Tyree Kill if you did that. <laughs> I, no, seriously, I seen your highlight tape, and you are fast, and you guys would get some defense, some fits. Yeah, I I agree, JP and Caleb. When I look at the offenses today. And the defense is, oh, I would have really thrived. And I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. It was one, because the rules have changed against the DBs. The DBs can't get the kind of hands on you like they used to back in the day when they could kind of maul you. Now they can't really touch you and take those shots. And, and then how the offenses have really opened up and all the movement and the creativity and the different things they can do now. Because KC was trying to do some of that with me back in the day. But now I think it's even more creative and it's kind of part of how offenses are today. So, yeah. And then obviously having a quarterback. I mean, don't get me wrong. Joe Montana was awesome. But uh, Patrick Mahomes is not bad either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right about that. Yeah. Do you yeah, think he can win more Super Bowls than Joe? Um, You know, yeah. I mean, he is – they're in a position. They Yes, I do believe they have the potential to do it because one thing, as you know, that makes a great franchise in the NFL is having a franchise quarterback. Because if you have a franchise quarterback, every year you have a shot. I mean, mm-hmm. when you think of Brady and, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers and Wilson and, you know, even Marino. I mean, they were always in the playoffs. And so the Chiefs have that. So the key for them this year, though, I think is really – They can't get complacent. You know, they got to maintain that hunger, that drive, because every week, every team is going to be coming after them. So they really are going to have to raise the bar this year. I completely agree. Um, I think they're going to, you know, looking at their schedule, it looks, you know, from from the outside looking in, it looks fairly simple, but you just never know. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't know you know, the changes that have been made on those teams as well. But, you know, there's a couple of teams that kind of, you know, the Saints, I'm not sure. You know, the Saints have been so wishy-washy. You know, like last year, it was so weird with them because they they had a, you know, they had 130-yard, you know, Drew Brees, I should say, 130-yard games, 120-yard games, which is, you know, uncharacteristic. But in the same aspect, he still had them. Mm-hmm. And... That that's the one team we had talked about that I thought may be a little bit of a fight for us. I don't know, you know, we are playing the Buccaneers this year, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. I don't know how that's going to work out. You know, right now, um, I think Brady's just out trying to prove something. Yeah, and you know, it's funny I didn't realize it, but that wasn't his decision. Um, he was uh, apparently he was pretty much cut. So I guess Belichick wanted to move on from him at that point. I'm now they got Cam Newton, but. Um, from what I'm hearing that, you know, that was kind of a, a situation that they wanted to move on from him or Belichick did, I should say after the season he had last year, but yeah. you're right. I mean, with the chiefs, we've talked about this numerous times. They, they are young mm-hmm. and, you know, when you've got an entire team, uh, you know, the oldest player on our team is Travis Kelsey right now is the age of 30. Yeah. You got guys that are number one are hungry, but number two are just, they've got so much time left yeah. that they can continue to thrive and get better and better um and as long as you've got that guy throwing that ball um it's absolutely uh absolutely amazing that he can do what he can do i'll just put it that way yeah and and the key too and the key too is going to be that 
You know, like you said, a young team, but even the Travis Kelseys and the leaders on that team, they're they're going to have to remind even the younger players that, hey, last year is over. You know, it's a new season. It's how how can we be better this year than we were last year? Because in the NFL, as you know, there's so much parity. You can be the worst record team, but you're going to be fired up to play the defending Super Bowl champion. So everybody's going to bring it. So it's just getting everybody to push themselves even further this year and not, you know, um, relying on the successes of last year. Exactly. Yeah. JJ, I'm glad you said something. I'm glad you said that because JP and I were talking about this similar topic on a uh, last podcast. And the one thing I did bring up is that, yeah, the Chiefs need to take every game and play it to their fullest potential and realize that they need to improve upon last year. Because as we know, Patrick Mahomes and them, they're creating new plays. Spags mm-hmm. is figuring out different schemes and it's going to help make their team better. Because many times in the past, I remember, I think it was. I forgot what team, but they won the Super Bowl. And then that next year, they missed the playoffs because they had players go away. Yeah. Um, drama, a lot of drama was happening with this team. It seems like they're learning what to do and learning from other teams' uh, mistakes. The Rams. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 basic, that's basically true, yeah. 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 Not everybody, guys, not everybody can handle success. And that's that's the problem, not just in sports, even in the business world. When I'm speaking to companies, it's a lot of uh, corporations have that problem where they all have a great week, a great month, a great quarter, great year. And they struggle at times getting their uh, their team or their employees to lift their performance and even go harder and even get better. And 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 in the NFL, as you guys know, if you don't do that individually every day, you get replaced. So that has to automatically be the mentality. But see, now you're dealing with a full team of guys, and now you got to get 53 guys to be able to have that same mindset. And sometimes that can be a challenge because if you got five or six wild cards on there, that can mess up the performance of the team. You know, everybody's got to be on the same page. Yeah, you're right about that. 100% agree. And it's so, and a lot of that comes down to leadership. Yeah. You know, your leadership is, is key to success. And if you can do it the right way and lead, you know, lead by example, you're going to succeed and, and, and thrive and grow. That's the biggest thing is, you know, I, in my opinion, you know, some of the larger companies that I've dealt with over the years, leadership, and, and just like with you, I mean, you're saying you're exactly right. The leadership has caused some of that complacency and some of the issues because they don't have the, I guess, wherewithal to be able to keep these people lifted and to have them take that step further. Yeah. And that's what you have to have. I mean, you know, you've got to be able to lead it, lead by example and lead the right way. Um, things have changed since, you know, hell when you played and even when I played baseball, I mean, everything was so, is so different now than it was 30 years ago. I mean, you had coaches back then that would cuss you out, call you names, throw you off the field you know, <laughs> yeah. during practice. They didn't care what they said to you. They just wanted you to – they thought that was their way of motivating you, and in, in most ways it wasn't. You mm-hmm. were lucky with, with Marty because he really – Marty wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Marty was more of a – he was he had a, he had a different style of, of coaching. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, you can elaborate more on it than I can, but – from what I've seen of him, he had a different style. He was more of a philosopher, a philosopher than he was a, you know, a, I guess that mindset of just beating it into people all the time. 
in my opinion. I mean, you, yeah. you were around him a lot more than I was, but what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, Marty. Um, well, one, Marty was a great motivator. I mean, his yes. leadership skills, he was a great motivator. I mean, you talk about a motivational speaker, man. Marty <laughs> could tug at your heart. He could tug at your heart sometimes. And, and sometimes I remember we would have our meetings and the guys would be like, okay, is Marty going to cry today? Because he'll drop them tears on you in a heartbeat. But he, he was always able to move us by his words. And then he was a good teacher, too. He knew all the positions. He could co coach all the positions. But one of the other things we were, I respected about Marty is Marty played in the NFL. So oh, Marty wow. Was like, Marty, see, a lot of people don't remember that. But yeah. Marty played special teams. And so he knows what it's like to be that guy who's barely on the team and trying to grab that spot and maintain that spot because he worked his butt off and he always tried to convey that message to us that there's no substitute for hard work, you know? So, and, and I loved Marty because I knew it made Marty happy. Just do your job. Just that's do your it. job. Marty's happy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. What did you, um, did he, uh, always have any uh, famous Raider week speeches for you guys? Oh yeah, Marty like turned into a different person during the radio. <laughs> he did. <laughs> it, was, it was like we oh, might have played. We might have played like the Chargers the week before, and then all of a sudden here come Marty's like, "Hey, isn't this the same coach we had last year? What happened?" <laughs> oh and man, he, I've never seen because I was on four NFL teams, and I never seen any. NFL coach despise a team as much as Marty yeah. despised the Raiders. Yeah. Oh, and I'm proud to say that the five years I was there, we lost to the Raiders one time. Yep. One time. Out of the, I guess, 10 times we played them during those five years. Or actually, we played them 11 years because we played them in the playoffs once, too. Oh, okay. yeah. That was the, that, you know, it's funny you say that because he was. <laughs> the the few times that he would bring up the Raiders, his face his face would change. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And that, that was the crazy part about him is if you brought the Raiders up to him, or for some reason the Raiders just came up in conversation, his face changed, and it was the weirdest thing. It didn't even look like the same guy. I mean, it just like this. <laughs> it was like a cartoon character. He went from Marty to this evil, <laughs> angry person. <laughs> and you know oh, what? Man. And you know what? He hated Al Davis. He and did. Oh, my God. He hated Al Davis. <laughs> he really hated Al Davis. And yeah. I don't know why, but he did. <laughs> there was something between those guys. I don't know what it was. But I know part of the problem was is that and, and, and Al Davis and the Raiders have always done this. For some reason, they always wanted to go after our players. Yeah, and it was like still, we, mm -hmm. we had somebody that was great. And for some reason, the contract year came up or whatever it may have been. For, the Raiders were like the first ones like, oh, well, well, we want this guy. God forbid we could cut we could cut the water boy. And somehow the Raiders <laughs> ended up with our water boy. Well, you, I JP, don't know what it was. <laughs> well, the thing that I've noticed, JP, is that every time a cheese bar gets cut, it's always an AFC West team. Either the Chargers, or the Raiders always like to pick them up. Most recently, uh, Jordan Devy, who's a think play center for us. I mean, it always seems to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marty just did not like, uh, he didn't like Al Davis at all. He, he just did. He had a, a, a real hatred for him. And I didn't think Marty hated anybody. He was just a nice guy. I mean, on the outside of, you know, if you ever talk to him, he was just such a nice guy. 
he would yeah. talk to you like you were just an everyday guy. You know, I mean, he he didn't really um, pick and choose who he spoke with. And God, you bring up the Raiders, and it was just a different mindset. Marty's face just changed, and the next thing you know, it was. I remember one time we were at. Um, we were somewhere. I don't remember where we were at. Oh, it was an Arrowhead dinner. You remember when we used to have those Arrowhead dinners upstairs, JJ, yeah. where you go up and all the players would eat? We were sitting up there, and somebody brought the Raiders up, and he went dead silent. I mean, everybody was happy. We were all having a good time, and all of a sudden, boom. I mean, it was dead silence from him, and he had this look on his face like, why the hell did you say that in the middle of dinner? And I was like, okay, man. <laughs> yeah, he was a playing around. <laughs> yeah, oh, he was different guy man yeah, so uh what else been going on jj how you been doing man you've been staying other than work staying at home what else yeah. you been doing i guess you know the exciting thing is that my my um my son one of my sons and his wife had their first child so i'm now a grandparent so That's awesome congratulations I, i'm known as grandpops now <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome that's man what's that, about what, a month now huh in one or two months now? Oh, no. He's now, um, he was born a year ago. He's now one. But see, they lived in Oregon and they moved here um, at the beginning. When did they move here? Like about February. So they've been living with us. So we've been able to see him every single day grow up, which has really been a joy. Well, is one of your other kids having a child? No. I'm, this is the first I'm, one. Of my eight, this is the first. Okay. I thought I could have swore. I don't know why. I thought one of your Oh, you know what? It wasn't that at all. It was, it, I got confused with something else. Your anniversary just happened. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. I was in my mind. Yeah. You just had an anniversary. 30 years, right? Yeah. Good memory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, owe, I owe my wife because we were going to do a big, big 30th anniversary and do a trip. And not, obviously, all that had to get canceled. So I said, take a rain check. It's going to happen at some point this year. <laughs> we'll see. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps Keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Okay, so you're between meals and you're craving something sweet, right? What I do is snack on Blue Diamond Honey Roasted Almonds. They're so good. And almonds are a superfood. So don't deny your cravings. Eat them. Blue Diamond Almonds. Crave victoriously. <laughs> well, I think she's pretty understanding, so I don't think she's got to worry about that. Too yeah, much. I know. She's, she's, good. she's a good sport. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, anyway. I know Caleb has some... Uh, he's been dying to talk to you, so I'm, I'm going to let him ask you some questions because cool. he's been, um, he's been dying. Sounds good. Yeah, so um, I've been a Chiefs fan for a long time, and I didn't get to watch you play because um, I was born 1998 and you played 1991. But one question I have for you is, uh, what was it like playing with Derek Thomas? Oh, Derek. Um, Derek, I tell you, the thing about, I remember most about Derek was he was the laziest practice player I'd ever been around. <laughs> I mean, he didn't really like the practice. Nope. You know, he's like great athlete, but he did not. Really, he didn't like to practice, and he kind of mm -hmm. goes through the motion. But whenever it was game day and the lights came on, he turned into a total different 
player. And wow, he was wow. unstoppable. And I used to sit there and think like, man, this guy hardly practices during the week. Mm-hmm. But man, look at him on game day. You know? <laughs> yeah, he yeah. sounded like he just turned into another motor. I mean, for yeah. watching his highlight tape, I never got to watch him in person. My dad did. But I mean, he was just crazy. He, he would just go out and get sacks like any, every other weekend of the one a game that I got to watch a highlights of was the seven sack game against oh, Seattle. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, he was a monster. Yeah. Yeah. He was, Derek was the master at coming off that corner and getting low and getting underneath guys. He was, he was such a beast to stop. I was recently watching um, the playoff game, the Houston playoff game in 94, 93 season. Uh-huh when we beat him down there and it was on, I think it was on the NFL network, but I watched the highlights and this time I was watching more defense too, but I, I was like, man, Derek and Neil were just, they were all, all over Warren moon. I mean, they were yeah. in his face. They were sacking him. So you, I didn't realize how much the defense had played a role in that game because it was so much about Joe Montana and the offense in the second mm-hmm. half. The defense did their job. Wow, yeah, because that's was it. Wasn't that game like a somewhat of a sh- shootout? If, yeah, if I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. We were losing, and we came back, and that was the famous. I know JP, you remember this when uh, oh, Keith yeah. Cass scored the touchdown. He and he yep. bought Buddy Ryan's poster. <laughs> you know, yeah. that was classic. I'll never forget it. That was oh, one of man. my. Uh, that was one of one of my all time favorites. Is when he uh, when he fired that ball. He got. Uh, he didn't he get. He got in trouble for that, didn't he? Yeah, I think I think he got fined for that. Yeah, yeah I think it was a pretty hefty fine for doing that, but I, he didn't care at that point. He was so happy, and you know, Buddy Ryan, I think, out of any coach in the NFL at that time, was probably the most hated individual in yeah. the NFL, and um, just because of his, God, he was such a. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain what that guy was, but um, when he did that that day, I was just, I was so. I was actually kind of happy to the, to a degree because he was that touchdown number one just put us where we needed to be. But yeah, he, he was he was so fired up, man. It was amazing. And going back to Derek, you are right, man. Dude did not like to work out. He didn't <laughs> like to practice. He, you know, we lived four doors from each other, uh-huh. and he, honest to God, on days that he was home, he wanted to sit on the couch, watch TV, wanted to barbecue. He would call and say, "Hey, you want to have a barbecue?" Yep. Okay. And I cooked because he did not want to cook. <laughs> he just wanted to watch TV. He didn't, I mean, honest to God, it, he was a totally different person on the field than he was. And he was so relaxed. I mean, he was just very relaxed guy until he hit that field. And when the ball was snapped, oh my gosh, he was a different person. I mean, just a totally different guy. He wasn't like the rest of them that, you know, everybody else on that team at the time, they were more, you know, into spending time watching film or working out or, you know, being at the facility, not Derek. He, he, he just wanted to sit at home. That's <laughs> cool. You know, <laughs> oh, it was crazy. Uh, he, we, every once in a while he would want to go out and eat. And his, mm-hmm. one of the favorite, his favorite places he loved to go for some reason was Dixon's chili. Oh, and really? We would go to Dixon's chili. I didn't like it that much, but you know, I would go because he wanted me to go and I would go with him. And man, he would. He loved that place. He loved it. I don't know what it was. Did you ever eat there? No. Uh-uh. Oh, it, is it, that it, place it, still around? I don't think. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if it still is. It was there for God forty years before we were even around. I mean, they they were around forever. They used to have a 
all you can eat shrimp night on Fridays, and Derek would want to go because <laughs> I don't know what it was about that place, but he loved it. We ran into Carl Peterson there once, JJ. Oh, did you really? Yeah, him and uh, I can't remember. I was going to ask you, and I forgot. There was a scout that he was old. I mean, extremely. I mean, he was in his seventies. Not, not Whitey. Um, yeah, the guy yeah. Who died, he died. Yeah. didn't he? When we yeah. Were- yeah, that's him. Uh, I what's his name? Like during our one of my years there, because we had the patch, we wore the patch, the yeah. Whitey Whitey Goodell or something like that. That sounds right. That sounds like his name. But him and Peterson were at Dixon's Chili eating, okay. and me and Derek were at a totally different table. And Derek went, "There's Carl," and I said, "Yep." And he goes, "Let's just act like we don't see him." <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he wasn't very popular with you guys. No, he, w- he wasn't. <laughs> and. Uh, we, I kind of glanced over and, you know, Carl with his $5,000 suits at the time and everything that he wore and he's sitting there eating and he had food just running down his mouth. He wiped his mouth with his sleeve and Derek goes, look at him, just look at him. <laughs> and I said, I don't want to look at him. And he said, he's just gross. He's look at, look, he's just wiping his mouth on his sleeve. And I said, yeah. And the and the, and Whitey was sitting there with him, and he was just kind of glancing around, like, "Does anybody else see this besides me?" Because he was such a slob. <laughs> and I'll oh, never man. forget it. Derek just I, the first time Derek actually wanted to leave the restaurant without finishing, and I was like, "Wow, I couldn't believe that." <laughs> oh man, good times. Those were the good yeah. times back then. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, so but anyway, good. yeah. So, yeah, JJ, I think you could. Uh, I think if you were in our era, man. Jeez, you on one side and Tyreek on the other? That'd be a dangerous <laughs> combination right there, buddy. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you, Caleb. Yeah. Being you're on KC, what has it been like to live in the same hometown of the Super Bowl champions? What's that like? Uh, I've experienced it's that. awesome because I watched them when they were really, really, really bad. And just to see them, the progression every year, all the playoff losses and upsets, and then seeing them finally – have a stellar offense once they had Patrick Mahomes and then for them to go ahead and win the Super Bowl, it was just, it was just a crazy moment because I go to college in Missouri Western where they have a training camp. So I came back home that that, uh, Kansas city to watch the play, uh, to watch Super Bowl with my family. And um, as soon as they won, I ran outside with my chief flag yelling (laughs) and screaming because it was just so much excitement. And I was like, I can't believe this has finally happened because I always imagined it when I was little, but just to see them do it, it was just it was just unspeakable. Especially um, whenever um, they were down twenty to ten with like seven twenty seven left. My yeah. dad and my grandpa were telling me, "You just never give up because you don't yeah. know what can happen." And next thing you know, uh, Jet Chip Wasp Mahomes is hitting Tyreek Hill down the field. The yeah. defense gets a stop. Chris Jones bats a pass. Um, then they Sammy Watkins burns Richard Sherman. Just get another touchdown. I mean, basically in the Super Bowls was wrapped up, and I was just very, very happy. It was yeah. just exciting for me. What was your uh, reaction when you finally saw it? It was, it was, you know, I was more excited than I thought I would be. I mean, because, you know, I mean, you play for the team, and, and I didn't realize that, you know, so many years later, I would still feel connected to the team, like I'm still part of the team. And, and uh, I think the Chiefs have done a really good job of always making the alumni feel part of the organization. So, mm-hmm. so when we went into the playoffs, and actually I, I predicted last year that that's, they were going to win it, especially in the, when I 
kept seeing how they were winning and going into the end of the season, how they were so strong in the second half. I said, these guys are going to win the Super Bowl, no, no doubt about it. And when that game started, I told my wife, I said, stay calm because they're going to probably get behind a little bit, but mm-hmm. they're going to finish strong. And yeah. when they started finishing strong, dude, I was like, Jumping up in the house, I was dancing. I, uh, yeah. I just couldn't believe how I was reacting. And my wife was like videotaping. She's like, man, I can't believe this. I, I just I just said, I'm so excited that they finally won it. So it just hit me by surprise that I would react the way I did, you know? What was your reaction whenever they were losing to the Texans in divisional game 24 to nothing? Did it bring up back any past memories or were you like, you think they could turn it around? No, I, to be honest, I thought they could turn it around because the Chiefs kept showing a habit of being a late starters in those those tough games. But then yeah. they would repeatedly come back. And that was that's what's different about this organization. Even last year, think about how whenever they got behind, you always knew they were going to score again. They were always going to come back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes this team better or different than all the other Chiefs teams that you just know they're going to come back. And so – um, so yeah, I wasn't too worried about it. I just had a feeling again, they were going to win them in the second half and they'd eventually win. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I know that that was the one thing you just, you know, it's a life model. Never give up because it can be get bad beginning, but as long as you can find a way to finish through, it's, it's always possible. That's, that's something I try to always live by. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, and that goes back to what I said earlier. When you have a franchise quarterback, because when Joe Montana signed with us, it changed the complexity or just the, you know, our ability to finish the, better than the previous years. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Craig was a great quarterback and DeBerg was a great quarterback, but we didn't, you know, we didn't repeatedly come back at the end. Well, uh-huh. when Montana came, we repeatedly were always coming back at the end. And that's the power of when you have a guy at that position that can really lead the team uh, no matter how what the score is, no matter how late it is in the game. Yeah, yeah you're right about that for sure, easily, because yeah. like, you have to have a quarterback to go. But go ahead, JP. Oh, no, it's just he's right. I remember those games. And I remember when he came, <clears throat> it was like, wow, did we, we sign Joe Montana? I mean, because he <laughs> – the thing about Joe is that even if he wasn't playing at his best, he could always make some, he made the other players play at their best. It mm-hmm. was his, the way he portrayed himself on the field and the way he would, he, he could just lift you up mm-hmm. and he could have a rough game and not the greatest game, you know, that, you know, the typical Joe Montana game. And still we came back and we came back. And I remember you catching a monster pass <laughs> from Montana. Was it like, was that, was that 69 yards? Was that, that, was that one from him or is that from Craig? Which one? Is, uh, which one? <laughs> you caught one. I think it was Montana. It was during, it was, it was during, I think it was Montana. You caught a monster 69 yarder. And I was like, I saw you cut down the field and I thought, oh shit, JJ's going to catch his ball. There's no way they're not going to catch his ball. And you took, you were, you were on the, the left hash mark and you caught this ball and you took a hard right and you ended up in the end zone. And I was like, wow. I mean, you were flying. What you game were. was it? Tell me what game and I'll, I can tell you. I think it was, if I remember right, cause that was at that game. Um, I want to say it was the Houston. It was a Houston game. Was it Arrowhead? Was it at Arrowhead? It was at Arrowhead. Oh, that. Oh yeah. I don't, um, I'm not it sure. About I'm not sure because what's interesting is that, Montana threw me a lot, 
But then there were times when he got hurt, and then that first year Craig came in and he threw yeah. me some bombs. And then the next year it was Bono. And as I look at some of my highlights in that last year, <clears throat> I didn't realize how many Bono had thrown me as well. Threw me as well, you know. Bono threw you a lot of passes. I yeah. was kind of surprised. You know, I mean, yeah. Bono wasn't either Craig or um, Montana, but I mean, he, he had you on a dime for some reason. I don't know, but. Yeah, yeah, I remember that game because I was standing there thinking I saw you take off, and I thought, and you streaked by, and you jet, you 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 did a juke move on. I don't remember who it was now. God, I can't remember it. I'll find it. But I just remember you catching that ball in stride, and both uh, the court, the CB and the D, and the safety just looked like they were standing still because you were flying. I mean, it, it was amazing. And I just I, I knew then that I thought, man, this guy's gonna take take this to the house, and you did. I mean, there was no doubt about it. It was like 69, 70 yards. It was a long ball. Yeah. I remember it was in the air for a long time, and I thought, yeah. man, JJ's down there. He's gonna catch this ball because you didn't miss much. I mean, that's the one <laughs> thing I do remember. My memory's starting to slip a little bit, but I remember <laughs> a lot about that team and and uh, that era, and uh, especially as close as I was to it. And you didn't miss much. I don't think. Right. You- I don't remember you missing a pass, to be honest with you. I really yeah, don't you know, remember you missing. That's true. You know what? That is true. And a lot of people didn't really give me credit for that. I did not drop a lot of balls. I mean, I, no, can, you didn't. I can literally almost tell you how many passes I dropped. And I remember which ones they were, um, you know, and that's why I always, you know, in retrospect, I always wish I had more opportunities that they had thrown me the ball more but I realized the way the offense was ran and it was designed and you know it, that wasn't how it was but um it would have been nice to you know be able to have more opportunities to catch the ball but as you saw wide receivers during our during our era they kept us around 40 to 50 passes is what Willie and I was pretty much catching during those years yeah you guys I mean you had the Marty ball situation mm-hmm. really and and everybody says it was Marty Ball, and it really was. I mean, it was for us, but there was a lot of teams that didn't have that. You know, they it was run, 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 pound the ball, pound the ball. You know, throw you know every you know third or fourth play you throw a ball, or you know it was it was a little tougher for you guys back then. And I tell when people ask me about you or you know Willie or anybody that I knew back in that day, I would always tell them, you know what, if they played in this area, especially JJ, I promise you, promise you his stats would be four or five times what they are right now because people will say, well, you know, it didn't look like he caught a lot of passes. You know, his yardage was, I said, you don't understand the area he played in. Mm-hmm. You have no clue what it was like to play in that era. It was yeah. totally different. Yeah. I mean, you know, you had, and I always use this as an analogy. I look at Troy Aikman. Okay. He played in that era. Now, Troy Aikman went to what? Three Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One. Okay, he had 165 total touchdowns in his career in 13 years. Wow. He had 165, and that includes playoffs and Super Bowls. Mahomes already has half of that almost. That's what I'm (laughs) saying. So it's very difficult to, if you weren't in that era or around it, to understand how difficult it was for wide receivers, because especially with Marty, because he was big on running the ball. I mean, you had Christian, you had Barry, you had all these guys that, you know, just – could pound through a line and that's what he thought was the way of winning football games. And for the most part, it did win us a lot of football games to a degree, but you always had to have 
a JJ out there because when he was out there, he didn't drop. I mean, when you say you can count on, I can't remember you dropping a pass. And I watched every game you were in, and I don't remember you dropping any passes. Yeah, but, I probably um, dropped, I probably dropped uh, maybe an average, maybe two to three passes a year. I mean, wow. maybe. I mean, I can, yeah, just to be safe, you know. And what's interesting, guys, is I can remember key ones, and that's the thing that, like, kind of haunted me was that one or two passes – that I dropped. I remember this one play. We were playing against the Rams, and it was that first year with Montana when we came out the gate just crushing. We were like three and zero, four and zero, and we got our butts kicked at home against the Rams. And the Rams were not playing very well, so we just we really did th- think we were just going to run through them. When they came to Arrowhead and kicked our butt, and I remember how bad all of us played, and I'll never forget. It was third down and seven, and I had an out route, and, I, and the guy was playing man-to-man, Daryl Henley, and I, I beat him, and I turned around, the ball was there, and the ball... Our homes today are like little cities, full of different interneting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room, or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town, from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. All went through my hands. And I remember how... I never forgot that drop because that was in my entire career. I, I never really dropped the ball that just hit me right in the hands. And that was the one I did. It was like, and that was the one you never forget. And, mm-hmm. and, and when you lose in the NFL, it's a bad week for everyone. And they compound all of your errors. So I, I had to hear about that drop. For the whole yeah, yeah. I remember now, JJ, I just, I'm looking. I remember it was Craig that threw you that bomb. Was it Craig? Yeah. Okay. I'll never forget that. You had, <clears throat> oh my, yeah, it was, yeah, it was Craig. You burned, was, you burned that, everybody. Okay. That was a 1992. It was the third play of the game. It was a switch route. I was picking for Freddie. Freddie was the first read. I came wide open. Craig saw me. He threw it and I took it 72 yards. I remember that play. I remember that play. Like, yeah. And I, I couldn't remember who threw it to you, but I remember the play because it was absolutely phenomenal. And you had, you had, you had a good eight yards on that, on that CB on that corner. I mean, you just, I don't know, man, you did some things that, uh, I don't know. It just, uh, I wish you could play in this era. I tell everybody all the time. You have um, a handful of rings by that point. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> With I mean, the Chiefs. <laughs> man, it was crazy. Uh, just to watch. And it's funny because we had, they called it an, we had an air attack. And that's what was crazy is that the media portrayed it as an air attack. Mm-hmm. When Joe Montana came and with you and Willie and everybody, they called us, we had an air attack game, or a team now. Mm-hmm. And that's what was insane about it. You know, you, you think about it 30 years later, 28 years later, we had an air attack team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, which we never expected yeah. to see that, you know, with, with our, you know, whole team for that matter. But I don't know. I mean, some, some of the quarterbacks mastered the handoff, you know, with Marty. I mean, that was just, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense did. though, after they just run the ball three, four times, I mean, a, a possession. 
Yeah, it was crazy, but I, there was some you you. I remember I was on the field one time, and you were. It was a practice. It was in practice, and you ran by me, <laughs> and I was standing next to Derek, and I said, "Holy crap, he's fast!" And they said, Derek said, "Who was it?" I said, "I think it's JJ." And all I could see was your number. And it took me a minute to catch that. You know, and I, I did have 2020 vision back then. And uh I mean I just man, he's so damn fast. You ran a was it a unofficial four three three? I think you were faster than that. Yeah, I was I best I ran was four three three. So um but you know the thing that I did, guys, and this is what I tell young I tell wide receivers today is that I saw a lot of wide receivers who ran a 4-4, but they played at a 4-7 or 4-8. And then I'd I'd see guys who could run a 4-5 who could play at a 4-5. And I said, if you run a 4-3 and 4-4 or 4-4, learn to play at that speed. I said, because then you will become unstoppable. They will Mm -hmm. not be able to cover you because when you get that separation, you'll be able to keep that separation and 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 not a lot of wide receivers can do that but the best can can maintain their speed in and out of their breaks so that's what i always tried to do i used to have this t-shirt i would wear underneath my um i was th- i think it was my last three years i had my wife make this t-shirt and it was underneath my pads and it would say play smart because as a receiver you got to play smart you got to know what you do make the right decisions and then i'd say play fast those yeah. are the two things I would remind myself: play smart and play fast. Yeah, yeah, JJ. Yeah. The one thing um, JP told me is that you knew when to get out of bounds or fall to the ground real quick, so you so you didn't get any big hits. And he said you were very good at that, so you wouldn't have to have it deal with a lot of injuries. Yeah, yeah. I got. I learned from some veterans. Somewhere in the middle of my career, they were like, "Dude, don't don't try to wrestle for those extra yards because guys are coming at your legs and they take these shots." If you it appears you're going down, you just go down. And I got really good at that because I would I would fight for the extra yards, but when you realize that dirt, you're not going anywhere, you just go down so you can live for the next play. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but you had a sense, and that was what was different about you than other wide receivers. You knew you. It, I mean, even though your head didn't turn, mm-hmm. your head was always on a swivel. But it it's it, it you knew. It, it's almost like you can feel that somebody was right on right on you and you were able to either juke move or get down before you were hammered hard and i i mean you know there's some guys out that that played back in the day caleb that believe me you did not want to get hit by oh yeah i'm not surprised i've seen they used to the big hits that they find players now were legal back then i'm not surprised oh gosh i mean jj i'll tell you about a couple of them that i mean he was he was chased down by a few and they, they couldn't catch him but there was a few of them that, I mean, well, who were Ronnie Lott? Yeah, Ronnie Lott, Marquez Pope, um, Eugene Robinson from Seattle. Got, oh, you know who got me a few times was Steve Atwater. Oh, Steve Atwater, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, 6'2", two, two, or 6'3", 227 pounds. But I'll tell you guys, here's a story, and this will validate what you just said, JP, because through experience, you start, you, you, you got to feel for everyone where they were. But I can remember one time we were playing at Arrowhead. It was actually the playoff game against the Raiders. And, and um, I was running a deep in route, like 18 yards. It was a, it was a post on the other side. I was running an in route. 
And so I'm looking at the pre-snap coverage and it's like cover two. And I see Ronnie Lott up there. So I go up inside and I go vertical and I hit 18 yards and I come across and I didn't look at Ronnie, but I could feel him and the ball was thrown high. So I went up and got the ball and I immediately dropped to the ground. Oh, wow. Check this out. And Ronnie Lott came diving over my head. And I just, when I watched the film, I just thought, oh my goodness, he was going to lay me out. But I could feel his presence, and I knew just catch and go down. Yep. Yeah, I remember awesome. that because he was a good – he flew over the top of you, but he, was, he wasn't he was far over the top of you. No, no. I he, mean, he it looked like inches, but if he'd have caught you, oh, man. But you knew. That was the difference is that you knew. You felt it, and that, that's what made you – that separated you from pretty much everybody else that played was that you knew, and you didn't – you weren't – the showboat that's the one thing that i used to just tell everybody is you know people would ask me questions about different players and i would tell them jj's not a showboat guy yeah he's happy you may see him get happy in the end zone but he's not gonna sit there and showboat and <laughs> and act like a uh-huh. lunatic and do it's all the him. stuff that other like a michael Irvin or somebody else would do it then you know it's him in the celebration and, <laughs> you know the craziness because he you always had that mentality that you know and i think you, you said that one time you said you, you can't get that. What'd you say? You can't go crazy because, or you can't act like that because it could be your last game or, you know, you may, I think you may make somebody mad. And then the that's next it. thing you know, they're going to come after you. And that's what I said. Yeah. I, said, I remember that. Yeah. And I was like, man, that, that's the smartest thing. Anybody I've ever heard play the game say is that uh-huh. you do that. You're going to piss somebody off and they're going to come after you 10 times harder the next time. That's, exactly. that's what I remember. And that's and that's exactly why I never talk trash and showboat because these are the best athletes out in in the world. And do you think I want to give them more incentive to play harder than they're already going to play hard? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that's okay. And I, and I'll tell you an example. When I was playing in Atlanta, it was my first time going against Deion Sanders, and oh. I was watching. I watched all this film on Deion because I just he's such an amazing athlete. He was the most difficult DB I ever went against by far the best. So I studied all this film and I was trying to find a weakness and and I found a weakness because there's a tendency he had. But one thing I noticed is how much crap he would talk and trash. He would really try to get in a wide receiver's head. So I remember telling the young, and I'm the veterans, I'm telling all the young receivers, I said, hey guys, don't talk to Dion. Just do your job. He's going to try to get in your head. And if he gets in your head, he's taking you out of the game. So so we're sitting in the huddle and the game is starting and Dion was was rotating both sides and we didn't know who he's going to cover. So I look to the left and I see Dion on my side and he's like bouncing around. He's getting the crowd all hyped up. And I was like, OK, Dion's covering me. I know what he's going to try to do. Get in my head. He's going to try to quick jam me. So I get on the line and Dion is bouncing. He's doing all this stuff. As soon as the ball is hyped. He lunges at me, and I throw my shoulders back, and I take off down the field. And Ooh. they didn't throw me the ball. But the point is, I knew he was going to do that. So the very next play, he rotates to the other receiver, Bert Emanuel. They hike the ball, and he quick jams Bert. And Bert and him starts fighting, and they're all on the sideline. And Bert comes to the huddle. I go, you rookie. I told you, <laughs> I told you what he was going to do. <laughs> Oh, oh man, <laughs> man! 
Oh, it was good times. <laughs> I would have been awesome if you could have burnt him on a put like for a touchdown. I mean, I'd love oh. to see that. Yeah, I know. It was, you know, that whole game. I remember I had a great game, but they 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 never threw me the ball the entire game because that was the that was the game where June said, Don't throw to Dion's side. Because Dion was that good. He would he take out a quarter of the field. And so um the very next game. June Jones said, God, you were open so much on Dion. So we're going to give you the ball, but we're going to choose the right opportunity. So, um, so we're driving down the field and we get to the second. It's on, we're in the third yard line. It's third and goal. And coach looks at me and I said, I want to run a slant. I want to run a slant against Dion. So Bobby Aber calls the play. So I've, I've got this all figured out. I've got this release ready for Dion because you stutter him. You take him outside. He thinks you're on the fade and you come underneath. So the ball snap, I stutter, I take two steps outside, he jets out there and I go, got him. And I come back underneath and then Bobby, I'm like, throw the ball, throw the ball. And then Bobby throws it and I go up to grab it. All of a sudden here comes this arm out of nowhere and he bats the ball down. Wow. And I'm sitting there like, how in the world did he recover? Well, when I saw the game film the next day, I had Dion beat, but he spun around and darted back towards me and was able to make that play. And I thought there is no corner in the NFL that can make that play but Dion. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, he was good, man. He was amazing. He was a he was a great ball player. You know what's funny? He still talks trash. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's never not stopped talking trash. I mean, you look at him today, and no matter what, he's still talking crap on people. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think he um, he uh, he does it just to do it. Yeah, but um, he was he was a phenomenal ball player. I mean, that guy to this day, I don't know if there's anybody that was as good as him. Yeah, um, he couldn't tackle. He didn't want to tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he that's the one thing he never seemed to do was he didn't really want to tackle anybody. But, only, if uh, he, only if he had to, you know. Yeah, if he had to do it, absolutely had to do it, that was a different story. But, man, he he would avoid it like the plague. It was like, you know, he had that red towel out there. Oh, lay, he just let him yeah. run right by, you know. But uh, if he got burned, he got burnt. But it, he, it was rare that he got burnt. I, I'll yeah. put it that way. There's not too many guys that could burn him. Now, I don't know how it would be today. I imagine if it was, you know, Dion's younger days today with the, with the wide receivers we have now, I don't know if his uh, – if his numbers will be quite as high, but I still think he'd be a premier elite, you know, player in the league. Um, he's another oh, one that definitely. would be up there on top, you know, um, in this era, I should say. Yeah, I think he uh, would do very well in this era because Dion was such an athlete. And you're talking about a guy who had a 4-2, low 4-2, and even in his pads, um, he was just as fast and and – and the thing about him, he was very smart, too, because he studied a lot of the wide receivers, and he did his homework, too. And and today's wide receiver, because the game is so different, I, when I see the wide receivers today, and, and I'll exclude, I think Tariq Hill does a really good job, but I think the wide receivers today are not good as good as beating man-to-man, in-your-face, mm-hmm. bump run as our era, because uh-huh. our era, we had to work on it so much because the DBs could put their hands on you. Yeah, uh, they can't do that, you know. So I think the wide receivers are not as good, but that's what I think. Another way that Tariq really stands out because he's done a really good job of learning how to beat that man-to-man technique and using his speed and quickness and explosion at the same time. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree, and I think you're right. A lot of the players now couldn't play in your era. You know, in our era, I don't know if they could ha- they couldn't handle it because, like you said, those guys back then, they were all they maul you. Yeah. And now they, you know, they got free reign. You know, wide receivers almost have free reign to be able to get down the field to some degree. Yeah. And uh, back then, you had to fight your way down the field. Yeah. Or smart, you know, outsmart your way down the field, which is what you did. But yeah. a lot of guys, they had to, they had to fight their way, you know, to get open. And now it's it's a little different. Um, and also, you know, you didn't have five or six premier wide receivers on one team. Right. Had one or two, which in your era, it was you and Willie, but you didn't have guys like you, you know, they're just sitting on the sidelines waiting to come in. Yeah. You know, it, it, they weren't there. I mean, believe me, I know they were not there. You know, when, if you were not in a play, it was like, oh man, you know, where the hell's he at? You know, why is he not in there? <laughs> yeah. You need him out there. Yeah. And it, it, it wasn't, you were hurt. It was just, you needed a breather or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why, why is JJ not playing? You know? But and it was the same with Willie. I mean, you know, Willie was another another one that just he played hard I and mean, he he played well. Um, it was a great time back then because everybody was so different. The the our team has always been player friendly, fan friendly, and to this day, they treat everybody that played for that team from it didn't matter what era it was. You're still part of the team. You will never be anybody but a chief. Yep. That's the one thing about you, JJ. You'll never be. I mean, I know you played for Atlanta. You played for you played for all these. It doesn't matter. At that at that point, you were never mm-hmm. anybody but a chief, and that's how I've always looked at it. And and then I'm I'm biased too. But in the same aspect, it doesn't matter. Most people are when it comes to our, our organization. You're 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 part. Once you're part of our team, and you're you you stick with our team for four or five years, you're part of our team, and that's yeah. just the way it is. You were a chief. That's it. So, and it's still that way to this day. I mean, you look at, look at Alex Smith, look at the love that that guy still gets from Kansas city. Now you, you're going to get your haters out there and that's just normal, but unfortunately you have them. But for the most part, Alex Smith, yeah, he got traded. He went to guys been through 17 surgeries, almost died. And now he's talking about coming back and playing. I think he he does. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to, he wants to play again. And, I got a weird feeling he's gonna. That's yeah. the scary part is he might play again. He's 30. Let's see. Uh, Alex is what? 34 now? Yeah, I think 34. 34. So um, he's still young enough in his position as long as his legs can handle it. The guy was probably one of the toughest quarterbacks. People can say what they want about him. The guy yeah. was tough. He was tough. Yeah. Man, he did some things that I mean, diving – diving for that first down i'll never forget that play in, in 17 he uh-huh. dove he must have dove nine yards in the what air game? um we we were playing it was a playoff game it was a playoff okay. game in 17 uh-huh. and he flew through the air to get that first down i think i remember that yeah and he got hammered i mean hammered and he got up off the field dusted himself off went right back into the huddle yeah, wow. the guy was mem- he was just a tough guy. I mean that that the way he broke his leg was just it, it was almost kind of like you almost knew it was coming because he took so many hits at, at you know because he, he put himself out there to take the hits. If he knew he he needed that first down, he went for it. Mm-hmm. And 
he's still to this day he's a chief. You know, yeah, he played for Washington for a year. Most of his career was in San Francisco. Yeah, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, but people don't even think about it like that in Kansas City. They think about him as the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. You know, because of all he did, he helped bring the team out of desperation as a franchise. I mean, he helped uplift them. And I remember watching we had Kyle Orton play for us, and I think Tyler Thigpen. I'm like, this guy's so much more of an upgrade than what I've ever oh. seen. And he just helped the team play them. Of course, they didn't win the playoffs, but he was able to at least get him there, and that was a big improvement. Yeah, yep. Yeah. He's a totally different guy. I mean, it's funny how, and you look at, I guess, I don't know if you call it luck or fate or whatever, you, however you want to look at it, but, you know, he brought a team in San Francisco to the point where they were going to win a Super Bowl. With mm-hmm. him, you know, regardless, or without him, because they, they went to a Super Bowl without him that year after he got hurt, but I still believe they would have won it if he'd have been in there. Mm-hmm. Um, because they 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 got that far, and then with us, he gets us to that point, and it's like then you get a kid that walks onto the field that is just, what are you going to do? I mean, how would you approach it? I guess, and this goes to you, JJ. I mean, how would you have approached it when you got Alex Smith sitting there that's been there five years, has brought us to the point where he's at, loved by everybody but hasn't gotten us over that hump. And then you got this kid that steps on the field behind him that everybody knows is going to take us to the Super Bowl really quick. Yeah. How do you approach that? I mean, what do you do in that situation? What do you do from whose perspective? From the coaching and and ownership perspective. I mean, how do you, I guess you do what you did and you move on and, and, yeah, yeah, it's it's like this, it's, and this is the thing I always try to remind everyone is that um, when decisions are made, they're usually justified because we don't get to see the film. We don't get to see all the plays, all the different angles. We don't get to see the misses, the errors, the mistakes, um, the missed opportunities. You know that that you get when you're on a team guys you see so much about players and you understand why certain players aren't playing versus players who are playing uh-huh. because because they might it could be a quarterback like Alex like he looked great he did all the you know he had the stats and all that but i would guarantee when you watch the game film or you watch the practice film there's probably a lot of misses that he missed on an opportunity. You know, why did you check here? Why didn't you go here? Why didn't you see that blitz? Why? And that's what I would think that probably they saw, but then they saw the potential of Patrick and what he was doing in practice and the throws he was making and the reads and just realized that here's someone that is already making great plays at his young age. How much more so can he develop if we gave him that position? You know, so... It's hard to make those decisions, but it is a business. But it's the thing I always tell people. It's like when a guy's not playing or a guy's been cut, replaced, traded, there's usually a reason why. And the film usually exposes the players, but only the players in the organization see that. Film yeah. doesn't lie. Film doesn't yeah, that's lie. Right. The eye in the sky does not lie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it still pisses me off, though, because I think about it all the time when you left Kansas City. They didn't, and if I remember right, what was it? They just didn't think, is that, I think you even said they, they thought you weren't worth the money that, or something. I don't remember yeah. what it was. Yeah, it was, I, it was the first time I was a, 
a, a fr- uh, unrestricted free agent because yeah, piss me off. I, yeah, because I was in Cleveland and then I got cut the second year, went to Dallas, and then when I signed with the Chiefs, I was a restricted free agent. Yeah, yeah I was restricted. No, wait a minute. I was a free agent, but I had to sign with anybody. So I signed with the Chiefs. Then two years later, I was a restricted free agent. And then I went out there and Philadelphia had offered me a contract. The Chiefs matched it. And I was so excited about that. But then three years later, I was an unrestricted free agent and I was going into my eighth year. And so it was the first time I was an unrestricted free agent with leverage. So it was my one chance to get a decent contract. And, I, and the Chicago Bears and the Atlanta Falcons were pursuing me pretty hard. But I always told myself that whatever offer I got, I'm coming back to Kansas City and just, at, hey, if you guys don't match this, I will stay. Mm-hmm. Which you don't normally do when you're an unrestricted free agent. So anyway, I took the Falcons offer. I came back to Carl and Carl just said, that's too much. You're not, he goes, you're not worth that much. We're not going to pay and he and he goes yeah. and he wrote out a piece of paper. This is what we're gonna pay. And it was like half or I don't know, maybe a third of what the Falcons were gonna pay me. And I just said, Well, you've left me no choice. I gotta take care of my family. So yeah, that, that's ridiculous. That's Caleb, saying. now you know why. Now you know why. One that was the main reason, not not just the only reason. I couldn't stand that man. Yeah, that guy doesn't to sound this like day. A- I can't stand that mm-hmm. man. And that was the reason why he was, he had, look, he was, and I don't know, I don't want to get animated, but he was very good at putting asses in the seats. I'll put it that way. I mean, yeah, that's but my when dad it came the to, When it came to doing the right thing and using what you have and paying the players that you have that you know are worth the money, yeah, he was stupid. Because well, to let a man oh, like God. this go mm-hmm. that never really been injured and played his heart out all the time, one of the fastest players in the league, and can catch just any pass that came to him. And then it, it, that was just dumb. It was dumb. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I think that J.J. deserved that contract and even more for his contribution to the team because it's hard to get find good wide receivers. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was crushed. I really – I really wanted to see in Kansas City. I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs really gave me my shot, you know, five years ago after I was, you know, Dallas. Because in 1989, when I was with Dallas, Jimmy Johnson said, you know, hey, we don't think you're going to be able to play in the NFL, so we're not going to sign you a contract. That's what he said to me. So when Marty called and said, hey, kid, are you healthy? And I said, yep. He said, come show me. And I came out and ran a 4-3-3. And he goes, okay, we're going to sign you. you know? <laughs> yep. So yep. so I just, I really wanted to play and end my career as a chief. But, you know, not all of us get that opportunity. But I, I definitely cherish the five years I was there. Well, we all do too, man. And that's the one thing. It's, you know, it, it became, um, you became an, a, a just a fixture of that stadium for five straight years. And it was great to have you there. I tell you that. It, 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 not just because of your playing ability, but everything else too. Um, you're a different person. I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> you are. You're, you're, you're a, just a totally different person than most everybody. I mean, I, I had a lot of friends on that team during that era. And by far, you and Derek. And Derek was – I was very close with Derek because, you know, he, he was – right there with me all the time you know i mean we lived four doors from each other he you know he was always the guy that was you know like i said he was 
lazy as hell, wanted me to cook for him, you know, wanted barbecue, wanted to do this, wanted to do that. My daughter, my son used to call him Uncle D, you know, because we were right there all the time. He's, I want to go up to Uncle D's house. Why? He's just going to sit on the couch. <laughs> or I'm going to end up barbecuing. So, and that's how it ended up all the time. But it, it, you're a different person. You are one of those guys that you make what, I guess you define what a, a, a football player should be and, and a, I guess a celebrity status person should be because most, most guys aren't like you. I'll put it that way. Um, I've said that for years and I'll still I'll say it until the day I die. And I was telling Caleb this the whole time. I said, man, you're going to be surprised when you talk to him because he's not like everybody else. He's not like the guys that will sit there and, you know, they, they, they're one, one answer question. You know, he's just a different guy. He talks, he's, he's just a normal guy and he's very, very stand up guy. And, 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 and that's how I've always thought about you for the entire time. So, um, and that's, that's what made me proud that you being a chief, this, that's why I say that's all you ever were was a chief because you just, I don't know, you made a, you made, you always make things better. I'll tell you yeah. that. Well, I appreciate, so. I really appreciate that. Cause you know, I, my philosophy was, you know, when I was in the NFL, it was my job. Just because I was doing it didn't make me any different or better than anyone else. So I always try to pe treat people with respect and kindness, just how I wanted to be treated as well. You know, and and also, too, guys, I also felt like I represented the underdog because I was at Oregon on a track scholarship. I was never trying to play in the NFL. And I, I just walked on at Oregon because I wanted to prove people wrong. And so I wanted to empower the underdog or that anyone out there who've ever felt that they were too small or they didn't belong or someone didn't believe in them or someone tried to take their dream and to show them, that, hey, if I can play nine years in the NFL at 5'10", 157 pounds, you can do anything. You know, So that's, that's really part of my message. That's yep. awesome. That's yep. awesome. You know, I remember Caleb just on the ending note. Didn't Marty put you down as like 180 pounds? Yeah, for, first year he put me at 180. I was like, Marty, I am. They know I'm not that big. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, Well, kid, I don't want them to know how small you are. So we were literally negotiating what he was going to list my weight at in the yeah. program guide, and and I think we narrowed it down to 170. Uh, 70 is what we stuck, and I was 157. So then when I got to Atlanta, Atlanta listed me at 160 because by then I think I was I gained three pounds. And I told Atlanta, um, I said, this is interesting because Casey would never, you know, um, list my weight at this side. And Atlanta goes, we like little receivers. You know, we like the little guys. <laughs> We're going to put your weight in there. <laughs> well, Marty was worried. I think yeah. Marty was more worried than he was anything else. Man, they know what if he, they, they they know he weighs 157 pounds. They're going to be going after him constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny yeah. when people know my true weight now because the first seven years or eight, this is a seven eight years. I was 157. They just freak out, you know. But it for me as a motivational speaker, it's a great message to build off of because when I can share with people that. You know, the average NFL player is 6'2", 245 pounds. And I played at 157. So don't tell me you can't do anything. If you don't set your mind to it, you set a plan and you go after it. doesn't matter what the odds are. What matters is what you think and what you believe. Yeah, that's yeah. true. See, that's very, very true. true. Yeah, people used to jack with me all the time and they you know they would ask you know they would ask me different different things about different players and they'd ask me about you and 
I say, hey, man, look, for a 155, 157-pound guy, he's good. What the hell are you talking about? He weighs like 170, 180. I mm-hmm. said, okay. I Then I, you know, I thought, well, maybe I better keep my mouth shut. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I knew what your weight was back then, and I was thinking, man, this guy, he, when you first came on, I was like, ooh. But then you just, man, you you destroyed it. I, I got to give it to you, brother. You you did it, man. But uh, yeah, I, I Al, Al Saunders told me this story. Al Saunders, a wide receiver coach. Yeah, uh, he told me that um, when I got signed by the Chiefs, he said Joe Pendry, our offensive coordinator, was like really ticked off, and he and he's like, "Why are you guys bringing in these little?" midget wide receivers and oh man yeah he was referring to me and um and um, rob thomas he goes why are you bringing these little receivers in here and we don't need we need big receivers we're gonna run the ball i need guys to block for christian okoya and so so al said that yeah joe was really upset that i was signed and then and two three weeks later joe was like We've got to get this guy on the team. He needs to make the team. He's got to be on the roster, you know. So he, yeah. he went from night to day from, you know, just not wanting me on the team to definitely wanting me on the team. And I and Joe, that first year, I don't know if you remember this, JP. I had like, you know, 19 catchers or something, but I had like this, I don't know, 19 yards per average. I had some ridiculous stat because I was catching all these bombs. But Pendry loved it. Because it allowed him as an offensive coordinator to design plays to get the ball to someone who was really fast. And that's yeah. what he didn't have in the previous year. So so he loved it. Yeah, I do remember that. He, uh, it, It's funny because everything that went on during that time is strange. There's some things that I don't remember at all. But there's things during that from about 91 through 96 I remember pretty much everything that went on during the during that that time frame and Saunders was he was kind of a almost like an innovator you know I mean a guy he he wanted to see you guys succeed I in my opinion yeah. I mean I, I thought he was a I thought he was a great guy but um everybody seemed to like him I, I don't know I mean oh, I, I loved- yeah, I mean, and he seemed like he was very respected, and 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 I only met him a few times, maybe three or four times. And when I go back to the Carl Peterson thing, and then we'll have to. I know this has been a long show, but it's JJ. But um, yeah, uh, he. I tell you, I think what set me over the most with him is that I was up inside the stadium and up in up in the facility, yeah. and Lynn Dawson was there, Mitch Holtis. Um, a few other guys and I had my son and Carl Peterson come walking by and Lynn said, Hey, do you want to meet JP's son? And Carl Peterson looks at me and looks at him and he looked at my kid and I can see his hand and he kind of almost flipped us off to a degree. And he said, yeah, I don't have time for this shit. Exact words, elevator closed. You remember that elevator JJ that was right there. And then he went up to the upstairs office and then he went upstairs and it took everything in my power not to just snap because back then I didn't have a filter and I wasn't thinking clearly. All I knew is that this guy basically just slammed my kid for no reason and made him feel like crap while he's down there meeting everybody at the time. I mean, he met everybody and 
the the GM of the team didn't have time for him, you know, to even say hi to the kid. Yeah, that's messed and up. And from that point on, I was like, you know what? This guy's a stroke. I don't know what he, <laughs> just with my opinion of him. And I never liked him. Not too many people really had a good opinion of him anyway. But, you know, I don't know why Lamar kept him as long as he did. Um, I guess it was just because it was filling the seats. You know, we always had that, that just that opportunity to get there, just that opportunity to get there. And so he always filled the seats and it just, he irritated me beyond belief. He was the only person on that team during that era that I just didn't even want to be around. And that was him. It was so strange. I don't know what it was about. The guy was so arrogant. You know, he just had an arrogance about him that, and like you said, I mean, slides a piece of paper across the table. Well, here's what I'm going to give you. That's you not right you to do at all. Yeah. Who do you think you are? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, be a professional and be a man yeah, about it. Cool. And, you know, to me, I just, I don't know. Yeah, but he was the only one. Everybody else, God, I mean, everybody was so cordial and nice and friendly. And, you know, we'd go to those dinners and everybody was so great. And then it was him. <laughs> that's just how it was with that guy but uh i don't know um well jj i know it's been a long we've been on here a long time and i'm sure you're busy but um we can wrap this up because i know you've been uh we've been wanting you on the show for a while and i appreciate you coming on man it's it's great um every time you're on the show thank yeah, you jay. thank you jay jp and caleb i appreciate you guys having me on it's been really good to reminisce and talk about the chiefs of the past and the chiefs of today yeah yeah that's been great it's awesome having you on. I never got to talk with a former NFL player before, so it's always awesome. You ever want to come on again, just let us know. You're always welcome. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate it, everybody. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you. See you later. You too. Okay, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. We had a great player on. Great former player. Probably should have. Man, he could still could play to this day. Um, but uh, with that, I'll say goodbye. Have a great week. Caleb, any parting words? Guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. It was awesome talking with J.J. Burden. If you guys want to see if we can get anyone else on the future, let us know. But just always remember, the month of July is going to be killer content. Thank you. Have a great one, guys. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. The football season is here, and you can track the latest news, odds, and information at betonline.net. And while stadiums won't be full, game action will be loaded. Which players will step up to lead their team? Is there still a home field advantage? Will offense or defense dominate these early weeks of the season? Follow along at betonline.net as the top teams in football begin their journey to Tampa. Available online or your mobile device. Check out the site today. Bring the game home at betonline.net.